I answer questions from my kids on this Father's Day edition of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I have a fun episode for you this week because I am going to answer questions from my eight children. I asked them to all write one question. And uh, since it is Father's Day week, uh, I said it could really be about anything, although maybe about Father's Day, um, but anything goes. And uh, I have not pre-read these questions. So the nice part about that is I had very little prep work uh, for this week's podcast. Uh, The downside for me is that I had no prep work (laughs) for this week's podcast podcast. So I have absolutely no idea what these questions are or even who they're from. Uh, I had my eight children do these. And so the subcategory part of this episode is that I'm going to try to guess uh, who wrote these questions, which child wrote which question. So I will take a stab at that uh, from what I know about them. Uh, I think the over-under is going to be about three. (laughs) See if I can get this right or not. Uh, And then next week, uh, next week's podcast, I will will reveal to you how I did. (laughs) So here it goes, uh, because, you know, that gives about three minutes per question or so. Um, So I'm about to reveal the first question. Uh, And so here it goes. And this is the question. What is your favorite memory of mom? What is your favorite memory of mom? So, of course, I have to think of these spontaneously. So let me see. Well, one of my favorite memories of my wife, Amy, is when we first met. We actually met at church, and our eyes literally met across the sanctuary. And then uh, I spent the next uh, several weeks trying to muster up enough courage to actually talk to her. And so then one Sunday, we actually ended up uh, sitting near each other, uh, looking back most likely on purpose. And, uh, and then we actually did engage in conversation. One of my best memories was uh, I actually played on a intramural football team at the time. And I had a game that night and we were chatting and we were talking and I said something to the effect of, I would invite you to come watch me play football. However, it is very cold outside. Um, Of course, I was giving her an out because I had no idea really how she felt about me or if she was interested at all. And uh, so I gave her the out. I said, well, you know, it's pretty cold outside. Otherwise, I'd invite you. Uh, And her response was, well, I have a coat. And so that was, uh, that was the beginning. And so, uh, that was wonderful. So she did come with, uh, with me. Um, and, uh, and you should have saw the look on my best friend, uh, uh, my best friend, Chuck, his face. And so if you're listening, Chuck and Steph, uh, to this podcast, you'll remember this as well, because I showed up with this girl. Now, Chuck and I were very close friends. We grew up 
as next door neighbors. And when I showed up with this girl and he knew nothing about it, uh, he had this forlorn stricken look on his face. And it was actually a little bit rude to Amy because he was so taken back that I would have the audacity to show up without running it by him first, show up with a girl without running it by him first. Um, so we've had many wonderful memories um, after 26 years of marriage, uh, but that's one of my favorites uh, because it got all things started. So what is your favorite memory of mom? Um, this sounds like a like one of my daughters would have asked this question. And I'm thinking um, that I'm not so sure our youngest Sadie would think about that kind of question. So I'm going to go with Lydia on what is your favorite memory of mom? I think Lydia is more of the romantic uh, and uh, so I think she would go with that. So I'm writing in Lydia for question number one, and we'll see if I'm right. Okay, question number two. What is the best advice you've ever been given? What is the best advice you've ever been given? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, my, actually, I might have shared this on a podcast, but my, my um, older brother, Phil, I have two older brothers, Mark and Phil, and then an older sister, and I'm the youngest of four. My oldest brother, Phil, actually uh, wrote uh, a letter to me um, upon my medical school graduation, and I still carry it around with me. I still have it with me. It's been very impactful to me. But I would say to summarize that advice that he gave me at that moment in my life was do not snuggle in. Do not snuggle in. He talk to me about opportunities to become complacent, either financially or uh, even with the gifts that the Lord has given me. Um, but we aren't to live a life where we snuggle and become comfortable. You know, the Father actually never promised us that we would have a comfortable life. He promised us that we would have a joyful life. Um, but comfort isn't always part of the deal because we are in a war and we're in a battle. And when we're on the front lines, as uh, one of my other brothers told me lately, sometimes the front line isn't comfortable. And so uh, that was probably the most profound thing. And I've chosen to live my life by the motto, do not snuggle in. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Um, that sounds like maybe an older son question to ask. Um, so I'm going to go, uh, well, I can, I have the right to change these by the way, depending on what comes later. So I'm going to go that, um, my son, Ben wrote, what is the best advice you have ever been given? Um, he's my second oldest son. Okay. Next question. When you look back on your life, what moment would you signify as the single most influential moment in your life and why? Whoa. Okay. When you look back on your life, what moment would you signify as the single most influential moment in your life and why? Um, well, it's not really answering the question appropriately because when I look back on my life, I look at really the spiritual impact moments um, where um, I either got blasted by the Holy Spirit. Um, I can't necessarily give one moment, um, but it was a series of moments that 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 made the Holy Spirit and and the Godhead very real in my life. Uh, because you know, there's no real theology about getting blasted. <laughs> 
when it happens to you and the reality of God hits you. Um, I remember that being the case uh, at, at, at a very young age. Um, when I talk about uh, my Christianity, though, and giving my heart to the Lord, obviously most people would look at that as the single most important moment in their life. I actually go back to when my father was pastoring a small church in Hudson, Wisconsin. And I remember the, the authenticity of worship that took place in the small church. And I was just a young boy, uh, probably, you know, adolescent, 12 to 14 years of age, I believe. And I remember uh, thinking some of this is a little weird uh, in the, in the extravagant worship that I saw, but it was real. And I remember looking at that and, and how it impacted me. And I still look at those moments of the, the authentic worship that took place in those moments as uh, as the father's love really impacting me in a real way. Um, and of course, you know, meeting my wife, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, also was uh, perhaps the, the greatest and one of the most influential moments as well. So unfortunately, I gave about three or four of those, uh, but it's those, it's those points in time of the reality of God, that he's not somebody just in the Bible, he's not a story, uh, he's not a, a fictional character, uh, he's real and he's alive. And I had many of those moments throughout my life that have impacted me in a great way. Uh, okay. So which of my children asked that question, the most influential moment in your life and why, um, that feels like an Emma, who's my oldest daughter, just feels like something that she would ask. Um, so I'm going to go with Emma on that one, but I could change things. Okay. Next question. If money was no object, where would you go? (laughs) If money was no object, where would you go? Well, I'm assuming we're talking about the Earth, so it can't be like the moon or something like that. Um, I'm not so sure I'd go to the moon. Um, obviously, you know what I would what I would I, I love history. And so I tend to migrate towards historical places and there would be no greater historical place than Israel, of course. And so if money was no object, um, I would go on a tour of Israel, but a tour of Israel that wasn't just touristy. Um, but really went deep into the places that we went to. Um, uh, Obviously, um, my my wife and I have been dreaming over a Mediterranean cruise trip, and we've been trying to go for the last two years, but they've been canceled twice because of COVID. And you can see the the strain in my voice because we were both kind of pouty about it, honestly. Um, And so we we will do that at some point. But if money was no object, uh, Israel would be the answer. Okay money was no object, where would you go? Um, boy, that sounds like, hmm. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to lean towards my children that like money and like to save money. So I'm going to go Maggie on that one. Maggie is not a spender. And so she would ask a question about it with money was no object. <laughs> Let's see if I'm right about that one. Could be Ben as well. Um, ben would also ask that question, I think. So, okay. Next question. What was the most surprising thing that you learned about parenting once you became a dad? What's the most surprising thing that you learned about parenting once you became a dad? Hmm. Let me think about that. Um, I think what I've learned, uh, this isn't a very spiritual answer, by the way, um, is that parenting is really easy when you're rested. 
And parenting is much harder when you're sleep deprived or tired. And now I say that as a dad, and I know that that ramps up like 20 million times when you're a mom. And so I, I say that with a little bit of an asterisk next to that, like, like dads, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, but I do work nights and I am a physician. And so I do come home tired, but it's amazing that when you're rested, how fun and energetic and enjoyable your children are when you're tired, um, not as much. And so that's been surprising. Uh, that, that's the, the answer to this question is what, what has surprised me the most. I knew I was going to love being a dad and it's true. And every day is a joy and a blessing. And so that doesn't surprise me because that's what I expected. Um, but I have noticed that when I'm fatigued or when I'm tired or when I'm worn out, how much harder it is. Um, and uh, so, and the other thing, and Amy and I have talked about this lately, is that, you know, when kids are really, really young, um, there's a lot of energy that goes into that because they need to be cared for. When they get older, it's a different type of energy, um, but it doesn't get less um, the, the, the emotional aspects of raising children when they're older, um, just the, the schedules and the time. Uh, so as our kids are getting older, uh, it surprised me a little bit that there's, there's still a lot of energy that needs to get poured into your children, uh, in a good way, just in a different way. And so I thought maybe once you got out of the diaper phase of things, that maybe things would get easier. Um, but easier isn't the right word. It just becomes more complicated in different ways, uh, in, in lovely, wonderful, adventurous ways, uh, but just different. So there's a couple answers to that question. Oh, what was the most surprising thing you learned about parenting once you became a dad? That sounds like my oldest son, Jacob, because he is a dad. And he's our only child at this point who is parenting. Um, so I'm going to write in Jake for that because I think he would just want to know that. So uh, we'll see how I'm doing. Okay, next question. What was your best parenting moment? What was your best parenting moment? Well, the one that I think about, um, I actually have a pretty quick answer for this one. Uh, three of my children, I won't name which three they were, um, were not happy with each other. Um, they were actually uh, quite angry with each other and frustrated, and they let each other know. And it was kind of this triangle of of anger uh, that was taking place. And and they were kind of at the end of the rope, and they were verbally letting each other know that. And so my wife and I were leaving uh, somewhere. I can't remember where we were going, but we were going out of the house right when this thing was blowing up. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is wonderful and, and powerful and sweet and gentle. And, uh, and so at that moment, when everybody was sort of had their hands on each other's throats, um, I sat down with them. We, I like, we literally were leaving the door, out the door. And I said, very calmly, I said, kids, I said, I hear your frustration. We hear your frustration. But mom and I are leaving. And so what I'm going to ask is that all three of you just go back to a quiet place Ask the Holy Spirit what's going on here. And I don't want you to talk to each other about this. And then when we get home, we'll reconvene. And I said it about in that tenor of voice. I was very calm, um, very parent-like. And, uh, and then we left. And so then we came back hours later and, as promised, uh, sat down with those three children. And it was like the whole demeanor had changed. And, and we said, you know, what did the Holy Spirit tell you? And every child of those three children were apologetic and said, there was something that was broken in me. There's nothing wrong with you. I'm sorry that I spoke those words to you. Um, and, and mom and I 
Amy and I stood there and sat there with our jaws dropped because the Holy Spirit did it all. We just simply gave them opportunity and direction to go before the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit took care of it. It was done. It was nothing more was said about the issues. The issues weren't the issue. The issue is that there was something inside of them. And so I look at that as one of my best parenting moments because I didn't parent other than to to direct them to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit took care of it. He's a much better parent than I am. That is for sure. And he's always going to be a better father, dad. As we look at Father's Day, the key is to direct our children to the Father's voice. And if we can do that, those are our best parenting moments. So which of my children wrote, what was your best parenting moment? Best parenting moment. Best parenting moment just sounds like a boy thing to say because boys are just a little competitive. And so if you use the word best, uh, I'm going I'm going psychology on this. So I'm going to go that Elijah wrote that. What was your best parenting moment? Um, so we'll see if I'm right about that. Okay, next question. Do you think the mental health issues, for example, anxiety, depression, etc., going on in the youth, young adult community can branch from social media? Okay. Now, here's a question. Let me read that again. Do you think the mental health issues, anxiety, depression, going on in the young uh, youth, young adult community can branch from social media? Well, first of all, I think I'm going to change some of my answers above based on that question, because I think I only have, I might only have Silas and Sadie left. And I don't think either of them wrote that question. Um, okay. So anxiety, depression, um, it's real. It is extremely prevalent in our young people right now. And I think this is the heart um, that, that people are seeing for sure. And, uh, and so this is, uh, it's super prevalent. And what is the root? Well, sometimes the root is boundaries. Uh, sometimes uh, the root is obviously, you know, fatherlessness. Some of these things where kids tend to act out. But, you know, I, I gave a whole podcast on boundaries previously. When we live uh, boundaryless or we live outside of a given boundary, the fruit of that is anxiety. Now, I know that there can be some genetic issues with depression, anxiety, but why is this happening so often in young people? Could social media be take it, play a role in that? Of course, the answer is yes. Now, do I think that social media is the reason? No, but I think that social media can be the gasoline that's poured on the fire. Um, social media allows a certain anonymity, uh, a certain um, uh, meanness to be able to be portrayed between uh, children and, and, and kids that normally people would never say to their face. And so it's a platform for people to hurt others in a very profound and real way. And I don't like that about social media. Uh, social media, I don't think, is inherently evil because you can take like a ministry like we have and it's allowing us to be transmitted all over the world. So I love the the idea of that. I love how good and goodness can be portrayed over social media. But it is certainly there to hurt people as well. And people feel anonymous. They feel removed. They feel like they have the ability to say things that they normally wouldn't say. And so, you know, anxiety, depression is not new uh, in uh, 2020. That's for sure. Um, however, social media and the things that have happened in the last 10 years has certainly allowed it to be propagated in a bigger way. So I think it's a symptom. I think it's a, a problem. I think it needs to be managed. And I think there needs to be boundaries around it for sure. 
Um, but of course, anxiety, depression is something that happens internally and that, and that an internal problem requires an internal solution, which is, again, the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father. Um, you know what? I, I feel like um, I feel like Maggie actually wrote that question because I think she cares very deeply about this topic uh, and she's in high school right now. And so um, so if money were no object, where would you go? I'm going to change that one to Silas. I think Silas wrote that and I'm going to change Maggie to this one. All right. I'm to my last question. Right. Two, four, six, seven. I've gone through seven questions and Sadie's the only one left. So let's see if this could be hers. If you can change one thing about this world, what would it be and why? If you can change one thing about this world, what would it be and why? Hmm. Well, that's a big question for somebody that runs a pushback podcast. <laughs> because every week I am releasing one thing that I would like to see changed about this world. Um, and so I... I guess I would have to say um, I would like to see changed um, the complacency of the church. If I could pick one thing, because you've heard it a million times, I've said that we are the ambassadors of Christ and we are the representative of heaven. If it's not us, who is it going to be? And so, so much of what I do on this podcast is sort of pound my fist on the table and said, people, this needs to matter. We need, to, we need to have language for what we believe, and, and we need to get out into the world and love them well. I'm not ready to give up on this world. I'm not ready to build a bunker. I'm not ready to throw my hands up and say, Jesus, just come back and take me away. No, I'm actually here for a reason and for a purpose. And so I, if I could change one thing in this world, it would be that the church would, would snap out of it would break out of its out of its slumber and out of its sleep and rise up and become everything that it was created to be because that's all it needs. You know, we talk about revival and awakenings. It's not God who needs to be revived and it's got not God who needs to be awakened. It's his people here on this earth. And so that's what we're calling for and that's what I'm hungry for. And so that's a great question. Uh, whoever my children, which one of my children asked it, uh, because there's so many ways I could have answered that question. But I think if that gets solved, if the church wakes up and rises up uh, to what it needs to be and what it was called to be, then I think all of these other things will fall into place. Because I'm not preaching the gospel according to Dr. Johnny. I'm preaching the gospel of Christ and, and his word and, and his ways and his ways are higher than our ways. And so that's how I feel about that. What would you change about this world and why? Do I think Sadie wrote that question? Um, okay, so I. what is your favorite memory of mom? I'm going to go back to that one. And I'm going to say that Sadie actually wrote that question. What is your favorite memory of mom? Because Sadie's kind of sweet like that and also romantic. So I think I think she would like that. And if you could change one thing about this world, what would it be and why? Um, that feels like a Lydia question to me. Because she's a little bit about like 
go and save the world as well. So, all right. In summary, what is your favorite memory of mom? I'm going to say Sadie. What is your best advice you've ever been given? Ben. When you look back on your life, what is the single most influential moment? I feel like that's Emma. If money was no object, Silas. What was the most surprising thing that you learned about parenting? Jacob. What was your best parenting moment? Elijah. Do you think mental health issues, anxiety, depression is a result of social media? Maggie. If you can change one thing about this world, what would it be and why? I'm going to go Lydia. So we'll see how many of these I got right. Those are my eight beloved children. Uh, And on this Father's Day podcast, I just want to tell my children that I love you very much. Very proud of you. Um, I believe in you and I see uh, the, the impact and the, the, um, the place that you, that you have in this world to bring impact. The world needs my kids and any parent or dad who's listening to this podcast. I want you to say that to them as well. Look them in the eye and say, my, 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 the world needs my kids. The world needs you. That's our role as parents is to be the biggest cheerleaders, the biggest encouragers, the ones who call our children out into their destiny and release them into the Father's voice, the voice that will lead and direct and guide them always because his voice is always pure. It's always good. It's always perfect. It always has our best kids. It has our kids' best interest in mind. And that's even more than I can say as a dad, an imperfect dad. The best thing I could ever commend you, my children, is to be released into the Father's voice. Listen, obey, and follow. You are loved. Happy Father's Day to all of the dads who are listening. Uh, Happy Father's Day to the grandpas and, and the families that you would just be blessed this week. Remember to go to pushbackculture.org, see how you would have answered these questions. Uh, You can play along, dads, at home. The questions that my kids asked me, uh, why don't you answer them in front of your kids and uh, and see what differences or what answers you would have from your life experiences and your story. And if any of those things you would like to share, or if you have questions for me, just like my children did, please go to pushbackculture.org and leave a question for me. Now, let's go together to set and shape the culture.